You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. For more Mormon arts news and interviews, please visit mormonartist.net. Welcome to the Mormon Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Morris. Today we're speaking with James Goldberg. Hi, James. Hi. James is a Mormon writer. He um, This year he organized the Association for Mormon Letters Conference at UVU. And in the past, he's actually won uh, the Association for Mormon Letters Drama Award for his play Prodigal Son, and also a novel award for The Five Books of Jesus. So, James, tell me about organizing this year's Association for Mormon Letters Conference. How did that happen? Yeah, uh, the Association for Mormon Letters was in kind of an interesting situation this year. The president is at BYU-Hawaii as a professor, um, and the awards coordinator for this year is uh, based in Japan. Uh, But obviously... For attendance reasons for award winners, there's more centered around Utah Valley, Salt Lake Valley than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wondered, you know, they had all these wonderful awards prepared. Where do we present them? Should we even hold a conference this year? And I recommended holding uh, a mini conference geared toward newcomers. So instead of doing sort of the formal call for papers and people submitting academic papers like they often will. I said, let's just get together people who know some stuff (laughs) and do some some interesting events that would be both a useful introduction for new people to Mormon letters and sort of engaging, um, playing with ideas for people who have been there. And then we can present the awards at that conference. So Joe Plica, the AML president, after I pitched this idea, uh, asked me to also execute it, (laughs) and I ended up being in charge of most of the organizing to get the conference uh, in in Orem together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and the conference title was, I have the program in front of me, was Everything You Wanted to Know About Mormon Literature But Were Afraid to Ask. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We wanted to communicate with the title some of the playfulness uh, that this wasn't wasn't going to be just sort of a formal academic conference, but one, we wanted it to, to be able to serve as an introduction. You don't need to know a lot about Mormon Lit to come in and get something out of it. And, um, and then two, of course, you know, with the title suggesting that we're not taking ourselves too seriously mm-hmm. and, um, and are able to play with ideas that way, which is what we tried to do. We had um, two panels, uh, two live debates, which was actually a very common form for 19th century Mormons. They held live debates all the time. People loved them. Uh, Somewhere along the way, people have sort of stopped doing that form. So we tried to revive it, and I thought uh, very successful. And then we also had a a live poetry competition, uh, three rounds of uh, elimination playoff sort of poetry. The poetry slam. uh, Yeah, a slam. Okay. Yeah, so there was the... There were the two debates, and then the poetry slam, and then two panels 
Um, panels and uh, one writing workshop where they actually did some mm -hmm. uh, essay invention exercises to get people started on their own work. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, for for a mini conference, I mean, that's not a lot of sessions that covered quite a quite a bit. Um, let let me go through the panels first. Okay. Uh, one of the panels was on the Mormon lit scene today, and we tried to mix it up and cover a couple different things. You know, there's multiple camps in the Mormon literature scene, it, just informally, sort of a Mormon market based on reaching Mormon readers, um, usually large numbers of Mormon readers that's dominated by Deseret Book, and then a handful of other publishers and distributors. Um, that has, you know, there's lots of awards, associations, events, uh, readership based around that. You have kind of a um, literary smaller camp that the Association for Mormon Letters tends to be dominated by, where they do, you know, literary journals writing more literary type novels. Uh, but again, Mormon Letters includes all of them, so we were trying to include all the camps. And then the other one would be just the national market, right? Mormon writers who are writing for a larger audience who may or may not ever mention a Mormon character, but often you can see some way that their their religious identity informs the way they write. So we tried to talk a little bit in that panel about all three mm. of those of those camps, some of what they contribute. Um, I, I also thought it was interesting, Laura Hilton Craner in that session talked about just how has Mormon lit did into her life in different ways, mm. so a really qualitative approach to what does it mean to be involved and that was that panel. Um, the other panel was my favorite Mormon book and why it matters. So we had uh, some writers, a historian, a literary critic, a teacher and reviewer, all talking about a book that had meant a lot to them. How did they find it? What did it mean to them at that time? Uh, why is it significant beyond them? And, and so that was sort of a good way of introducing, yeah, what why these Mormon books have mattered to specific people. Uh, mm -hmm. So those were the panels. The two debates we had were, uh, what is the role of the Mormon writer in the community, which obviously there's not just one. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, Stephen Carter, who's the editor of Sunstone, argued for sort of a role of the Mormon writer as a, a voice of conscience and critique. He also talked about the importance of self-discovery for a writer and being willing really... <laughs> push beyond your own comfort zone to, to find your own voice. Um, I spoke against being a voice of conscience, uh, but really <laughs> tried to, to give some cautions. I think there's some traps Mormon writers can fall into. A lot of it just from sort of the things we subconsciously draw from the Western tradition, Western meaning European and American, what should a writer do? Um, and I don't think all of that legacy and history has been healthy for us. And so I tried to, to kind of, uh, yeah, give some cautions and, and talk about some other ways Mormon writers could see their interaction with the Mormon community more broadly. And then we had Eric Samuelson, uh, who's a great playwright and just a funny guy, <laughs> and Gideon Burton, who, uh, who's also a really interesting writer in person. And also a funny uh, talk guy. About, should you study, <laughs> also a funny guy, you know, should... Should Mormon writers study Mormon literature uh, with the debate? And, and, you know, I think they spoke more broadly. One thing I noticed from both debates is these, these weren't just sort of win-loss debates. The, 
the debate structure was able to generate a lot of good advice and insight that I think you could take something uh, both times from each speaker and really come out better as a book lover uh, or an aspiring writer having having thought about both perspectives on those issues. So those were the debates. The, the workshop, like I said, was in personal essay uh, by some of the people behind the website Segala. It's been a great online uh, Mormon writing community focused on women's voices. And then the, uh, the poetry competition just got, I think, 10 really great area poets up on their feet and uh, got rid of five of them and then two more and then three competed in the last round. Um, so yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, that's great. Um, after that were the AML awards, um, where the awards were presented to the award winners and then, and then they read, um, from selections of their work. Right. Yeah. Um, if, if anyone is looking for Mormon book recommendations, it's a good place to start on the association for Mormon letters blog you can find the short list of three to five finalists in each category for kind of a longer list. And then you can see either in the, you know, listening to the session or on the um, blog, find the winners. And, and, you know, not every book is for everyone, but there's 18 winners. And I think there were three or four more that were honorable mentions. You know, there should be something for everyone somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and the readings I, I thought were, were fun. Uh, one that stood out to me was Alex Caldiero, the poet, mm-hmm. read from his work. And poetry is one where, yet yeah, sometimes reading it on the page, you don't get the same impact as when a good reader is able to put a poem on its feet. Mm-hmm. And I, I just loved listening to Alex and, and all the other readings. But, mm-hmm. but that one maybe for me personally stood out. Yeah, he's, as a, he's one who writes yeah. poetry that's really is meant to be performed and has a lot of experience doing that. So that was pretty fun. Yep. Um, okay, great. And um, so looking back over the conference, <laughs> what were some of the memorable parts, the fun parts and takeaways? <laughs> um, well, my debate, of course, was the greatest uh things that have ever been said in any language <laughs> and also uh, no. if uh we're gonna put up some pictures to go along with this on on the website <laughs> also some of the greatest gesticulations that have ever been I, executed <laughs> i i did see that photograph afterwards i i'm not aware of, of that as i'm doing it but but it's pretty interesting well Steve, and Stephen, no, um, Stephen carter had his own going on so that was pretty fun. excellent <laughs> uh yeah, what were memorable moments for me? One sad thing being the organizer is that I was often running around doing logistical things and wasn't able to experience. I'll be one of the first ones going and listening to the sessions again mm-hmm. uh, and seeing what was going on. I think there were high points. A lot of people talked to me. They did like what Laura Hilton Craner had to say in that um, intro to the Mormon Lit panel. Yeah, that was really um, good. She talked about, I mean, she talked about um, how living in Colorado, going through a period of her life where she felt kind of isolated, um, was an influence in um, in seeking out Mormon literature. And and she is um, very well read 
in Mormon literature. She's read a lot of of Mormon works, and then that has kind of influenced her own writing and her own expressions of her Mormon beliefs and identity. So that was pretty right. Neat. Yeah, and I I mean I've loved her her writing. She's got a very short piece. If anyone wants to look up something for that's actually on the Mormon artist blog. Uh, that's called the Primary Temple Trip, and it's just a fun. <laughs> was that part of the Mormon Liplets? That was one of the Mormon Liplets okay. pieces, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd highly recommend that from her. But uh, but definitely, uh, what she had to say is is an interesting reminder to writers of how writing can matter in somebody's life, mm-hmm. and to readers of you know, why these sort of often sort of overlooked, hard-to-find books can, can end up really being important to you and making a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd say that was a real highlight. And, um, well, you know, of course, uh, getting all those poets together in one place. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's too bad in some ways that we don't have, you know, writers' guilds or whatever they used to have. Um, where you've got these great talents, but we we often relate kind of from a distance, and it's it's nice to be able to gather up gather up just interesting talent together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say those are some highlights. Yeah, and that was neat. I mean, one of the neat things about the poetry slam was, um, I mean, I heard work from poets who I was not aware were writing, um, so it was a good place to mm-hmm. discover uh, some. But then also the poets themselves didn't, weren't always familiar with each other, and I saw numbers exchanged yeah. and Facebook friending going on, so it was it was really <laughs> neat. I mean, I think that's why, personally, that's why I go to the Association for Mormon Letters Conference every year, even though it tends to be at a pretty busy time, is because it's one of the few places where you can actually have that face-to-face um, interaction with with people who are interested in that community, and it it really is different from online interactions. Um, so right, yeah, that personal makes a difference. And I actually think you know a lot of people. One thing that I I think Mormon artists uh, as an online site and and presence is hopefully is helping its readers understand is that there's a lot of great Mormon art going on that mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily notice. Um, but I think a lot of the secret to this abundance of Mormon writers working in national markets now has been the networking. Um, we did a pray at the award session for Rick Walton, who's a picture book writer who's had some serious health problems just this week. And um, But, you know, reflecting back on what he's done mm-hmm. to network and develop other writers in children's book and young adult literature that's really built a big Mormon community of professionals there. And I think, you know, if there's one thing that I see as a, maybe a highest priority for Mormon arts, it's just if we could get more people <laughs> out of their individual corners and interacting and exchanging ideas and meeting each other, um, I think we could really accelerate uh, the development process of our, of our own body of literature. Yeah, I think so. I th- yeah, I think events like this are definitely a testament to that. Um, so who won your debate? 
I didn't, I really wanted to go to that one. I'm not going to lie, when I was driving to UVU, because I was on, I was on the, um, the Mormon Lit Scene Today panel, which was scheduled at the same time as your deba- debate, and I was thinking, right. if no one shows up to my panel, I'm just going to go to James's debate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you listen to the recording <laughs> and decide what you think. And decide um, for myself. Okay. I I think I think some excellent points were made, and and that's important. And there's, I do think we succeeded in making the debate. We we weren't talking past each other. You, you'll hear some some really clear dialogue and back and forth between the ideas. And um, and yeah, you you can decide for yourself who won the debate. As I said, in in addition to who won, uh, I think there's some really interesting stuff from from speeches on both sides that is worth thinking about as a writer mm-hmm. and deciding okay which of this where do i think they're right where do i think they're wrong but in interesting productive ways that help me you know thinking through those questions help me advance and and i do think you know uh we could be more reflective right if you're not reflective you end up accidentally parroting the ideas about writing that everybody has had before you mm-hmm. um, and being, being self-reflective is important. And I think that debate is a great start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is, that's also one of the things I liked um, that I like about this conference and um, this particular conference was um, on my panel, there are actually some <laughs> ideas or things expressed that came up that I, I did not agree with. And I, because time was short, we couldn't, um, I didn't really have, you know, feel like I wanted to interject and we wanted to take questions from the audience. So I didn't really say my piece about that, but I talked to some of, uh, the panelists afterwards. And, um, I think online, you know, when someone says something, you assume that that's what they have to say about that topic. But when you're talking to someone in real life, you know, they can say something and you can say, wow, I don't really agree with that and express your idea. And then with that back and forth exchange, I was talking to Boyd Peterson afterwards about this and and with Eric Samuelson after, because there were a couple things that I wasn't sure I agreed with him about after his debate. We were talking and and they're such lovely and incredibly brilliant um, um, people and have a very high capacity, you know, to be um, sympathetic to all different viewpoints. and um, anyway, it was it was just lovely to talk to them because I'd say, yeah, I didn't really agree with this point. I don't sh- I'm not sure how I felt about the way you expressed this. And then we would have right. that discussion and kind of further refine our ideas. And I felt like I gained something from, yeah. you know, and, and even, yeah, you know, does, refine my own perspective like a little in, bit. Um, so in the more I, I obviously wasn't there at the Mormon Lit panel, but I've heard from a couple people about it since because of that <laughs> ongoing dialogue, right? In yeah. the in the hall or or somebody calling the next day, you know. Um, and I do think, like you're saying, those conversations afterward are every bit as important, probably more important mm-hmm. than what happens initially. But I would love to see a debate. Um, you know, basically from what it sounds like there's I, I mentioned the three camps earlier. Mm-hmm. And the the literary camp and the Mormon market camp <laughs> don't always get along. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it might be interesting to have uh, a formal debate and really push through. You know, a lot of times you have assumptions from literary writers about well, here's what we think of 
of the Mormon market or of publishers like Deseret Book, and I'd, I'd love to examine those assumptions by something like debate format, right? What, mm-hmm. what role uh, does that part of the market play in a larger part? Is that something that just has its own use and is separate? Or is there, you know, I, I think somebody had, had said in your panel in a way that even literary writers ought to give a lot more credit than they do uh, to this Mormon market thing for, you know, a lot of people, the first Mormon they'll ever read is from Deseret Book, right? And that, that can become then a preparation for later realizing that there's that there's more and reaching out into other areas, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I would yeah, love. Yeah, I think I think all camps could um, are perfectly um, valid, and not just valid, but even really useful to the larger um, Mormon literature scene. I mean, that's right. but that's kind of I mean that's the perspective that Mormon artists takes. So, um, right. but it's it but would I, it would be neat it would be neat to see different people from different camps kind of engaging together with those right. ideas. Yeah, right. So well, <laughs> there's always next year, right? <laughs> Maybe we'll have to s- start having some debate no. debates on uh, the Mormon Artist Podcast. The, the next year's Association for Mormon Letters Conference is currently planned for Hawaii, uh, where the president is on BYU Hawaii campus there. So you know, oh, if anyone was looking for an excuse to go to Hawaii, and <laughs> can make it. Uh, that'll be interesting. Um, you know, well, we we may also see. Those of us who who happen to be here may miss having a a closer thing and do some kind of gathering, um, maybe not as formal as a conference, but mm-hmm. but make sure we get together and have the chance to exchange ideas and build relationships. And uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'd urge listeners to pay attention. You know, a lot of them may may be involved in Mormon Lit online and following different things. And one, you know, there's plenty of other places that you may not be aware of that are interesting online spaces to look for. And two, if, if you happen to live in a place where you can make it to conferences and events, the Association for Mormon Letters isn't the only one. Um, LDS Storymakers comes to mind as another uh, group that, that holds annual events that are really great opportunities. The Life, the Universe, and Everything uh, Symposium done in Provo annually is good for the speculative fiction Science fiction, uh, fantasy. People with interest in that. I mean, you've covered all of these, I'm sure, mm-hmm. at one time or another, Mormon artists. But it's it's a really exciting time to be interested in Mormon writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I just urge people to go and find ways uh, to catch up with what exists, and and if at all possible, to attend some of these live events. And and uh, don't be shy. Just jump in and introduce yourself to people and, and make the most of those interactions. Yeah. One of the nice things about the Mormon arts community is that it's made up of Mormons. So people are super dang nice, even if they vehemently disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. And and you'll find, yeah, there, there are definitely different camps and definitely people who you can tell have an opinion and want to express it, whether it happens to be relevant at the moment or not. It's sort of like Sunday school that way. Uh, but, uh, but definitely there's, there's good relationships to, to build and benefit from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks James. Um, yeah. So I just want to let our listeners know that, um, 
So this podcast is going to go up on iTunes, tunes like our regular um, podcast episodes. But if you go to Mormon Artists and click on this episode, um, then you can see some of the MP3. There will be some of the MP3 files of sessions at the conference that you can listen to. And um, I'm also going to put up some of the performances from the Poetry Slam because I videoed uh, most of those. So I'm going to put some of those up too. Oh, excellent. Well, yeah, I hope some people are able to listen to it and, and, um, and get something out of it from a distance. That's, uh, and I'm very glad that Mormon artist is established and able to, to do that and has built a community to share these kind of things. So always a pleasure to talk to you and thank you. Okay. Thanks, James. Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net.